Hey everyone, welcome to the new media show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee. We've got a great guest in the studio or in the virtual studio today. <laughs> yeah, Rob, right. do you want to do the introduction for us? Yeah, it's. I'm excited to have uh, Hernan Lopez, who's the CEO of uh, Wondery, on the program with us today. Um, hey, Hernan, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great. Well, I mean, let's just jump right into it. Uh, how how goes the the progress with the Podcast Academy? What's going on with that right now? The Podcast Academy. I, I, I'm assuming that listeners uh, might have heard or or, or or read anything about it, but for those who haven't, uh, the Podcast Academy is a membership organization right. uh, that has the goals of celebrating and fostering quality in podcast making and creation. And we want to do that in three ways. One is through uh, creating seminars and meetups and sharing resources with, um, with, with professionals who uh, join the organization. It's an organization of people, not companies. Uh, the second way is to allow professionals to network with each other. We ideally want to, with uh, members' permission, take uh, the ability to search for each other. If one is looking for a host or a producer or a sound designer, they should be able to find one from the podcast academy, depending on, on the location and, and the credits that they have. And the third goal of the organization is to um, create an annual award uh, ceremony, mm -hmm. uh, tentatively called the Golden Mics. And um, we, we want to do it in uh, following the footsteps of the Television Academy, the Oscars, the Recording Academy, Mm -hmm. uh, all those organizations are very similar in constituency. Uh, they're all not-for-profit. They're member-based. So professionals who are working in the industry are the ones who join. And they um, they are assigned to peer groups, and then they vote on the general categories. But at the core, you know, all the organizations I mentioned have been around for anywhere between 40 and 90 years. They're really groups of people that want their profession to be celebrated. And that's what we want to do. Okay. So Hernan, if I can, I, I, we might want to back up just a little bit. What was the, you know, what was the Genesis thought on, on starting this? I, you know, I kind of, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, we, you know, we all kind of, uh, we heard the announcement, of course, at Podcast Movement Evolutions, but take us back a few steps. When did you guys start talking about doing this? And, you know, how did things come to, uh, to fruition? So I, I think uh, people know, I started wondering relatively late in the podcasting history. My, my company is only four years old, but before that, I had been in the television industry uh, for a while. And before that, I, I really started in radio and cable television. So um, I noticed that there wasn't a group uh, in podcasting that was formal, that was incorporated, that um, spoke to the goals of uh, celebrating podcasting quality that was adequately funded the way that Television Academy and the Oscars uh, have been. And, and I, 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 I know there have been many organizations that, uh, from the Academy of Podcasters, from to obviously the People's um, Choices Podcaster Awards, that have been celebrating quality for many years. Um, but I, I thought it was important to create an organization that had significant funding to uh, achieve all the goals that we want to achieve um, and, uh, and, and, and to 
for to have the fund the the not for profit foundation be self sustainable. I also thought that it was important for the organization to be uh, one of members of people and not companies because if you try to do an organization where the members are companies, it very quickly becomes a trade association, mm-hmm. and then you start to have corporate groups um, try to. Um, navigate what their goals are, uh, and their goals may be opposed with one another, and may be opposed with people that choose to be in the podcasting system through uh, as independent uh, professionals. And, and I, I, I said this at the podcast um, movement uh, speech. I think it's amazing. It's a, it's a great gift that podcasting has. The fact that people from the garage or from the home can launch a podcast and do everything on their own and be better and have more listeners and better uh, perception than a podcast coming out of a company like Wondery or NPR or iHeart. And I think one of the goals that I wanted with academies is to make sure that that great equilibrium con- uh, continues and, and do everything that we can to celebrate uh, podcasting uh, coming from either people who choose to do it completely by themselves or people who choose to be part of a company or any combination in between. And and, I, yeah. You know, I think I got a couple of unique perspectives on this and, uh, and I'm sure Rob will weigh in too. Mm-hmm. You know, when I started the, the podcast awards originally back in, I guess now what is it? 2005. Mm-hmm. The, um, the challenge I had with that was even though that that was a, that was started by myself independently and was separated from my company, Raw Voice and Blueberry Podcasting. And it was essentially Podcast Awards is owned, you know, outright by my wife and I. And the um, the challenge I ran into with that is even though we were trying to do good and giving exposure to people, there was always this, um, well, Todd is part of Blueberry. So the Podcast Awards have to be things that something's being driven by 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 Blueberry Podcasting, and it really wasn't the case, but there was always that perception there. So I understand the need to have a, I guess for better words, an analogy, the separation of, you know, church and state or however, federal government and state or however you want to do it, there has to be this, the kind of the separation. Otherwise, people will think that there's, you know, that there's agendas or that there are, you know, undue influence and all that. So that was something that I ran up against with, uh, you know, doing the uh, the podcast awards, and I think now the way I have it structured after multiple changes is that we've we've been able to accomplish some separation and, and keep it, uh, you know, kind of cleaned up the process and made it better. But it took a lot of time, a lot of criticism, and a lot of you know. I'll be honest with you, people are pretty critical. They're into the you know, so I heard and I understand what you're trying to accomplish here. So um, and 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 I know you're you've taken some bullets, but it's mm-hmm. it's uh it's it's hard because everyone looks at things a little sideways at times and say okay what's you know what's in it for them and 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 while well, you're trying to have you know you're trying to move the space forward and people have a tendency to to have a visceral reaction when they don't need to but at the same point i think rob and i both had a, a experiences with the first association that was attempted to have been started and that was you know, back in 08 with the Association for Downloadable Media. And, uh-huh. you know, it's like herding cats because everyone has an agenda. And, uh-huh. you know, you it's hard to leave the agendas at the door. And when I go into any type of 
any type of group think or group group talk now, I always know that you know there are going to be agendas. It's just part of the process, and hopefully you can work through and set goals and organizational standards, and that basically over time you build the trust and that those agendas get left at the door or they're curbed or they're well-known and um, people get called out for them when they need to. But I understand the challenges here in getting this this started. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> when I heard about it, I was just like, oh, man, they have no idea what they've undertook. Right, right, yes. Uh, and I completely, uh, I, I knew that it wasn't going to go as smoothly as uh, I would have hoped. Um, a, a former colleague of mine who used to work at Nielsen once told me, if you're ever going to be in the business of measuring audiences, uh, polling, or giving awards, right. you better have a thick skin. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a fact. Everybody hates yeah. the poster. Everybody hates the audience measurement, and everybody hates the uh, award ceremonies, except for the winners, <laughs> and and, uh, and 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 so I, we tried to uh, do a lot of research. Uh, I was a member of the Television Academy briefly, and and we looked at what they do in order to um, recruit members and have members qualify. So there are a number um, of those models that we're picking up. For instance, um, yeah, people are going to have to show that they're working, that they're active professionals in the podcasting industry and they are they belong to one or more peer groups um well actually to one peer group in particular whether they're a host or a writer or a music supervisor or a reporter um or a marketing executive or creative executive and in fact we're looking for one peer group uh tentatively called the one person show uh we're looking for the ideal name because we realize that the vast majority of podcasts are one-person shows, and um, and I think there should be a specific peer group and a specific category even to celebrate people that can do uh, a whole podcast by themselves. Um, but the, the the one thing that I, I thought was really important, in addition to making it, um, you know, an organization of people, not companies, is to be very clear that. Um, it's not a trade association, so therefore we don't have a bunch of lawyers for one company or another company lobbying. We should be doing uh, this or that in measurement, or we should be doing this or that in making sure that um, you know our podcasts are adequately counted by platform A or platform B. I, I think that when you get uh, when you try to do that, then then uh, you fall into the risk of alienating multiple players. And, and again, I wanted to, to just make the organization as focused as possible. See, what is it that something that everybody can agree on? Well, everyone can agree on, we want to celebrate quality. We want professionals to um, continue to learn and improve their skills. And we want professionals to be able to network with one another. So those are the main three goals of the organization. Go ahead, Ron. I just want to ask one thing. Um, on, on those goals, you also announced an, you know, an educational component to this too, and I was just curious if, if you had, if you guys had put, put some significant thought into, you know, as you look at, you know, new producers coming into the medium that are that want to want to develop a professional career in this and want to earn money from what they're doing, and quality definitely um, does tend to map towards being able to make money from from doing a podcast, how important is the education piece to, you know, what you guys are planning on doing? 
it is important. I, I can't say that we have figured out exactly what we're going to do in every single area, but and, and I, I do uh, know that we're not going to try to replicate what already exists. So, for instance, we have um, one of the plans of the organization is to do meetups all over the country uh, so that yeah, professionals can network and can get to connect. And from those connections, usually you end up with job opportunities and to meet. And somebody told me the other day, there's already a meetup of podcasters in Orange County. Great. We're going to talk to them to see whether we can sponsor their meetup as opposed to creating a second meetup where there's already in that city. Equally, uh, um, Alex Bloomberg uh, did an amazing six-part series or five-part series uh, called the Gimlet Academy. There's no way that we are going to try to replicate that. We're going to actually send people to listen to that show, to Jesse Thorne's show, to a number of other resources that exist in podcasting and to guide them to how they can learn. In addition to that, over time, depending on the budget that we get, the ambition of the organization, will there be a way where there are specific uh, seminars organized by the Podcast Academy? Yes, we would like to get there. But we want to walk, then, um, then run. And well, actually, the saying is crawl, then walk, then run. Uh, so I, I think uh, you're going to see us do that. One thing that I, you know, just is my is initial reaction. And, mm-hmm. and there's two or three things on top of my head. Um, number one, I started immediately getting, you know, instant messages from folks that were independent podcast creators that were extremely concerned that based upon at least them looking at the initial application that it, looked like there was going to be a high bar set for indies to join. So I guess the question really then is, and, and let's just put the, the bread on the table here. What is going to be considered someone working in the space? If you've got a, if you have an individual that is actively doing a podcast and that what an active can is definition is across the board. It could be someone that's putting out an episode every week. Someone's putting an episode out every month. Uh, it could be someone that's done a series you know, there's a whole, you, the definition of active is all over the place. What is going to be the, you know, what is going to be the criteria? And have you decided that yet? How you determine if someone is working in the space? Because there's a lot of podcasters that are really working in the space. They're, they're not making no money. They're just doing a right. show. How do we, right. you know, where's that, how's that determination factor going to be? Because mm-hmm. in, to be honest with you, in order for this to succeed and get people to get excited about it we inclusiveness has to be large 100 percent. and then yes i mean the 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 rules they're not set in stone yet but there's a draft which we're going to discuss at a meeting next week but they're meant to be inclusive and it's meant uh to allow everybody uh which we understand the majority of podcasters are independent and we want them to vote because the way you get an organization to have broad credibility is by being representative of the medium, uh, right? One of the things that uh, other academies have been in the last five years criticized for that they weren't representative enough because if you look at the voting base, it wasn't necessarily representative of the uh, viewing population. Uh, We want to... Uh, not have to correct that, but rather start from the right foot. So, for instance, one of the things that we decided to do is the majority of the board of governors will be women. Uh, half and half of the board of governors will be either coming from companies like Wonder or NPR 
or independents like Alia Talakolin or Rika Murthy uh, or other people that we're talking to uh, in, 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 the, in the broader space. Uh, we want geographical representation. We want obviously all kind of uh, diversity representation. And we want everybody to have a voice. Now, um, there is a membership fee to join. Um, we, it's set right now at $100 a year, although we have a discount for people who join in early and a discount for students as well. Um, but I don't think that the fee will be a major deterrent at the level that it is set right now. Uh, the other thing that we will look for are two references from other professions, because we want to make sure that uh, when obviously the application will be done online and we're not going to have time to meet people in person uh, or sometimes perhaps even call people. So we want to be able to know that, you know, Rob is vouching for uh, Todd and vice versa. And um, and we'll, we'll probably partner with some organizations that are already in the business of um, recommending uh, or um, podcasters and giving credit uh, to make sure that, again, that, that the organization, the members are professionals. So I do have a question that came from the audience and then um, a follow-up to this then is, so with 95% of the podcasters in the space being independent, uh, mm -hmm. being folks that are doing shows on their own and really not without a team, mm -hmm. are they going to be representative of this in the awards so that there's going to be enough categories where they're not just siloed into a specific chunk where there's mm -hmm. going to be enough enough categories where they're going to be able to be be equally represented or actually majoritively represented because they are the majority of the podcasters. And the second question, uh, follow-up to that is, is uh, and this is not the audience question, but my question is what we've seen with the Academy Awards, you looked at, uh, or was it the Grammys? Netflix got uh, yeah. 21 nominations. Um, they walked away with two and they spent some multiples of millions of dollars to to whatever happens within that group to be able to do PR and the promotion to get votes. And what I'm worried about is that while we'll have, and again, this is goes back to how you're going to have to work through the structure of the actual awards process. And mm -hmm. again, I, I'm, I'm glad you have to navigate this and not me is Ooh. that how do you prevent, um, those that have the biggest budget to be able to do PR, it happens within the current academies from the ones walking away with all the awards. How, right. do, how do you set that so that you don't alienate the 95% the, the of the what I would assume would be the member base of this organization? Great questions. And, and I'm, I'm glad you asked them both because we, we actually have thought about and, and talked about that. Uh, first, we're going to have awards specifically for uh, independent, truly independent one-person podcasts. Uh, and they, in addition to having one or perhaps more than one award, um, they will be able to compete on the general categories. And our dream would be that one day what just happened at the Academy Awards where Parasite won not only the best uh, international picture, and also the best picture, which wasn't um, had never happened before. I think the same thing will be able to happen uh, in the future when somebody can win the best independent podcast and the best podcast of the year. I and batteries haven't even been decided yet, but that's that that's the thinking that we have. 
As far as um, uh, your organization is trying to buy their way into popularity, one of the goals that we set from the get-go is that the awards will be about celebrating quality, not popularity. Uh, we have awards for popularity already, when, yeah. and yeah. there great rankings, and there are a number of things that, that signal we want to celebrate quality. And what I I think will be very different between us and the Academy uh, of Television and, and, and Film. I live in Los Angeles. I'm here on Sunset Boulevard, as it happens. And I see that on Sunset Boulevard, there are so many billboards um, in, um, in, in in a stretch. And around awards um, time, about half those billboards are bought by <laughs> movie studios and TV studios that are trying to influence uh, voters, right? right? Because it's really hard to market to them in, in theory. I mean, there's only um, 3,000 of them or 14,000 in, in the case of the Television Academy. Um, what I'm saying is that these companies can do that here in LA because the voters are concentrating in LA. Nobody has that luxury in podcasting because podcasting is geographically dispersed. So I don't think there would be a way to influence voting in that way. The question from the audience was, who are all the founders, not just the ones on the stage announcing all the groups? Yeah. Basically, they want to know who all the groups are that are affiliated with this or have alignments with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, they're not, um, you know, the alignments. The, I invited people, not companies. They, uh, you know, people who work for companies, um got the permission uh, presumably from the company so but i, I wanted to make sure because there was some misconception in some of the article that npr and wondering are getting together no npr and wondering are not getting together it's um anya grunman and svp of Promine for npr is a founding member of the organization carrie hoffman from prx she's the ceo but she's also um a board member in the pv organization and one of the best um promoters of truly independent podcasting uh, organization. Eric Dean from Stitcher, um, uh, the, uh, Christy Mirabal, who uh, works for Sony Music, Donald Albright from Tenderfoot TV. He's best known for uh, Up and Vanish, uh, To Live and Lie in LA. Uh, he's, again, an independent podcaster based in Atlanta. Um, Alia Tavakolian is the um, uh, content, um, chief content officer for a small independent Africa called Spoke Media based in Dallas. Uh, Rika Murthy, she's an independent professional um, in uh, the marketing space um, based, I believe, out of um, between New York and Boston. Um, uh, Corny Holt from Spotify, um, who obviously runs the podcasting group um, over there. Um, Oren Rosenbaum is a talent agent from UTA and one of the best, the most connected people in the podcasting space and one with a, with a great credit judgment. Um, I, um, um, Lawrence Porter is a producer and sound designer for Criminal. Um, again, one, one with a, a very long running show. Um, and so we have initially um, decided to have the board be 17 people. We have allocated, we have announced already 11 uh, of those um, governor seats or, or board member seats. And we're actually looking for the remaining six. There are invitations to three people. Some people, for instance, um, noticed that iHeart wasn't included. And actually that's wrong. Well, no, not only iHeart, 
couldn't be a member of the organization, but I specifically invited Connell Byrne, who I consider a friend and a great colleague, to be a board member. And he's evaluated, and he hasn't said yes or no, but but I think he he asked all the right questions. So, um, so, and then people that we are reach out, uh, we are reach out to as well. So Hernan, as you go through that list, um, there's no indies on the governor's board yet. So are you guys going to fill the rest of the seats with independent creators? It, is that the we, plan? Already in this, yeah, because the, our goal is by the time we get to the 17, it will probably be nine people that work for companies and eight people that are in this. Now, your definition of indie might be different from our definition. So because to me, Donald Albright, uh, Aliyah Tabakolian, Rika Murthy, and Laura Spoiler are indies. I mean, they're not employed by big organizations like um, like uh, like iHeart or, or NPR, but a true, true indie um, could be somebody who has absolutely no affiliation, and we're actually looking for people that have absolutely no affiliation at all. Yeah, I think that'd be a good idea to have you know some board members that um, came came out of the pure podcasting space um, and and that re- represent that side because I believe I mean many of those folks have have past re- relationships with radio and things like that too. So so right. I think giving giving the um, the impression that the organization is re- representing the the broad spectrum of the medium I, I think is really important. One of the other questions that I had for you though is podcasting, I believe, over the next couple of years is going to see phenomenal expansion and growth into other markets around the world. Mm-hmm. And was just wondering um, if you guys are starting to think about this organization and this awards starting to look at the uh, globe as its uh, platform instead of just the U.S. That falls into the crawl, walk, run um, right. okay. the, uh, the framework. I would love to eventually yeah, have the organization be a global organization. We want to make sure, that in, in particular, I want to be mindful of not promising that anybody from everywhere in the world will be able to join because we won't be able to vet applications as easily if they come from you know a country that doesn't speak English, just to give right. you one example. Uh, right. But that's one of the questions that we're talking about next week. Okay. So from the audience, uh, Kevin Black asked, have the founders ever worked together? Uh, we have, uh, uh, not for the same company, but we have cooperated on a number of initiatives. For instance, Eric Dean um, and I um, and uh, and Kerry Hoffman worked together on Podfront, which is a, um, a, a podcast upfront um, that travels around the country. We've done shows in uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Detroit, and we're going to do one in Chicago this year. Um, and, and yeah, we all know each other and we have been at multiple industry events, but this is, I think the first time that this group gets, gets together. Another couple of big companies did intercom or cumulus say anything or they asked, or is there any thought towards them? We, we actually, there, there's one person at intercom that I have reached out to, uh, and she's going to come, uh, to the. Uh, meeting next week as an observer and with the goal of, of um, I, I would like to have her uh, be on, on the board and uh, Cumulus Media we're talking to uh, as well. So someone suggested in a chat room, would you guys be open to a poll on who would be the best indies for the the rest of the Board of Governors? That's interesting. I hadn't thought about it. Yes, we'd definitely be open to it. I mean, look, we, we, we need, we want... Um, 
it, it's uh, there's so many things I want to achieve with the board, which is you know the geographical uh, representation, diversity of gender, racial, um, and a number of other goals that that we it, it's going to be hard to find somebody who can tick all the boxes. But absolutely, I mean, I'm open to, to suggestions. So if you can send any names uh, to me, um, we're actually going to be talking about names at, at, uh, at the meeting on Wednesday. Yeah, so there's lots of comments in, um, in the chat room. Some of them are on my personal page, Hernan, and some of them are on the new media show. So uh, after the show, you can go back and read all the comments. I'll send you the link to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Yeah, just in more discussion about, uh, about independence. I think this is the theme that we're, you know, I've been hearing and Rob's been hearing, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, is the concern that, uh, and again, I, I understand this completely that you're, it's going to be impossible to make everyone happy. Right. It, we just, it's, it's not going to happen on round one. I, I fully, yeah. I fully understand that. Right. Um, I think though that we need to make sure that, you know, from the training perspective and here, okay, here's something else I had in the back of my head. So, okay, we're going to put together training packages. You're going to point it towards uh, other groups, uh, training information, what is the um, so then? Will that be you know? What is is that going to turn into podcasters chasing a tail? In other words, they, if you guys come out and say, okay, here are great interview techniques here, and and it is are, if they follow those techniques, is it going to make it easier to win an award? And I'm really throwing a conspiracy out there a little bit, <laughs> mm -hmm. but um, what do you think then? I, I understand you're trying to improve the space and true improve yeah. the, the the quality, but podcasters. Um, Mm -hmm. often will mm -hmm. look at information and say, okay, this is what I exactly need to do to win a, a golden mic or whatever the awards end up being named. Mm -hmm. um, do we want them chasing that? Because this space has been made up of no rules. I, I, I think, yeah, that's a great question, Todd, because I, I think, look, I mean, I can speak from personal experience. I think any listener who listens to a Wondery show can tell you that they sound very different from what used to be the traditional, uh, not the traditional, one of the sounds that was most celebrated right. up until the moment, right? So if you um, listen to our shows, they, they sound cinematic, they sound very Hollywood. Right. For the same reason, a lot of people who were used to the, the sound of serial uh, did not like our shows. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, and then there's no one sound that should work for everybody. But um, I think um, what you, people should be able to learn from different ways of doing things and approaching sound stories and then create the show that works for them, not shows designed to win awards. I, I think that and I, I, there is in the television industry some degree of award seeking right. um, that I mean I, I've seen that when when I was in television because uh, it, it is it is fun to win an award but I don't think that anybody ever goes and says I was going to do this show this way but instead I am now going to do it this way just because I want to win an award I don't think that happens yeah that should happen. And yeah, again, as this is, and just so the audience knows, this, this is not criticism at all. I'm just, I'm just bringing up points that people are going to make. And, yeah. uh, 
And I think Tom Webster just, you know, kind of reminded me of that. He says, Tom is in the chat room. He says, what is being lost in the criticism of this effort is that it is the most multilateral effort yet to just do something to promote podcasting, general public, and that mm -hmm. alone to support. And I, and I agree. Thank you, so, Tom. You know, and, and yeah. I, I don't think we disagree, mm -hmm. but I think what ends up happening is, and, and I try to reel myself in too, is that, you know, I don't want to become the old curmudgeon and, and and complain about something that uh, I haven't given a chance. And that's why I have just, you know, at this point, I want to watch and see what you folks are going to do. And, and uh, I think it's exciting, uh, but I also understand how this community is and they're a bit unforgiving at times. I did thought, and I, I actually, there's a silver lining in all that criticism that we got on that weekend, which is um, if, if that criticism hadn't happened, I don't know that I would be on this show. I don't know that I, I would have um, made sure that uh, we would have more representation than I was planning on from uh, from truly, truly independent, from especially from people, especially from, I didn't even know um, the term OG podcasters. <laughs> and I read that already, Jim Elsie and, and, uh, and, and, and Sky. And yes, there, there's definitely... Um, we, we didn't have enough uh, of the OG podcast. And, and, I'm looking for that. But I don't think that is necessarily needed. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm just going on the record. I am not uh, interested in a board of governor's position. I'm just going on the record here and saying that. I would not accept a spot. I'm too busy as it is. And I think that from my perspective is there's plenty of room in this space for lots of new voices, lots of people to share new ideas, mm -hmm. lots of people to... Um, come up with ways to, to expand this space. I, that's what we're, what's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to get more listeners to listen to more shows, to build audiences, because I'm in the business of making sure podcasters, podcasts, that they grow their, and have a business, and we all want to see the space raised. So, you know, don't, the, you don't have to include the OGs all the time. That's because <laughs> there's no privilege here. Let's be frank. Um, I, you know, I, I have an opinion, but it's just an opinion. All podcasters have an opinion. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, bro. You know, let me add to that too. Um, you know, I think that one of the strengths of this medium, if you go back, look in 15 years is that, and this is how I've looked at it the whole time is that it's basically a blank canvas. Mm -hmm. Um, and people can do what they want to do with their shows and with their, um, with their opportunity in podcasting and, and that's kind of what's been the strength and somewhat the weakness of the of the podcasting platform. It's openness and it's blank canvas type of uh, viewpoint of um, all are included and any type of show format uh, is is okay. You know, some are going to succeed, some are not, and that's been that's been the real strength of the medium. And I think if this organization can represent that level of diversity um, and and uh, risk taking and and trying new things, I, I think it's going to be a real, um, real strength to this or organization that it that it kind of looks at the medium like that. Yeah, appreciate and that's definitely the goal. I mean, that mm -hmm. one again, we want to build an organization that will be here for years to come. That's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why it is a not for profit. That's one of the reasons why I yeah I didn't want it to be a trade organization. I, I and, and that's why I really want I want to start from. Let's just make sure that at, at least from the governor level, we have enough people that are not working for, um, for, for the big companies. And I think, too, if you look back at the history of the space, you know, when, when podcasting kicked off, why did we do this? We did this because there were really no way to get distribution. 
beyond a website. There right. was and and what really and we we fell into this and the, you know you have to go back and look at Adam Curry and Dave Weiner and what they did and what they were in in Adam's vision of mm-hmm. having open distribution and really we had this stick it to the man type of uh, to mentality. <laughs> yeah. I mean it was really pretty and I, I've talked about this a lot recently, but what we've evolved into is um, is 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 a little more mature space. But at the same time. The mm-hmm. rebels in us are still a little bit rebelish, and I think that the simple fact that take this show as an example, Rob and I do no prep, mm-hmm. none zero. We show up, we talk about whatever we want to talk about. We don't edit, uh, except for clipping the ends and doing little a little sound shaping. That's it, and this thing goes up. So we love doing the show this way. You at Wondery, guess what? You guys put out beautiful content that's heavily edited and soundscaped and all those things. And there's, there's room for everybody. And, and, and Todd, people don't know this about me, but my first experience with radio at 17, I had a show on a pirate radio station. Pirate <laughs> radio station. <laughs> that's great. A true predecessor of podcasting. Yeah. And I got kicked out of uh, high school for being a rebel <laughs> and for editing the school newspaper and, and making jokes about my professors that they uh, used to make fun of each other, but they really resented. And then that led me to pursue a career in media. And uh, But at, the, at my core, you know, I'm still that rival. That's good. That, that That's good. You know, maybe at some point uh, you, I, you could be a co-host on a podcast or something. Maybe we can convince you to join us on a regular basis. <laughs> the accent, maybe, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know. They have that. And, and I think too, is, you know, Rob and I both, uh, we've been around from the beginning, but at the same point, we're both talking to podcasters every single day yeah. and we hear their struggles mm-hmm. and we hear what they want to do. And it runs the gambit from the, you know, the largest podcaster down to the person that's got three episodes in the deck and, you know, we want them to succeed in anything we can do to help them point them towards resources, ideas, things to help them grow their shows. It's all added value, you know, or, or added value for the whole space. So, um, you know, I'm on board. I think that the the training piece is going to be exciting and and pointing to resources. Um, but I, again, I think, you know, from I think the initial reaction and the majority and just being fully transparent was that I think the indie podcasters were taken back a little bit and you're t- recognize that. And I'm full sure you guys are, are going to address that as you guys can move forward. And, but I think that probably therein lies probably your, your number one challenge in this space is, is, is making the, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Rob, yeah. am I wrong in saying the the indies are the ones we're going to have that they're going to have to satisfy or am I yeah, wrong? I, mean, I think it's, I think it's a smart thing to move, especially if it's a membership organization. I, I think trying to appeal to as much of this podcaster community yeah. to to join and to get involved is always good. And that's been one of the challenges, you know, Todd, you, you and I have been facing in this medium is, you know, podcasting up to this point has been, you know, kind of like corralling cats. I mean, everybody, and that's been, like I've said, that's been the strength and the, its weakness to some degree. Everybody's running off in different directions. Um, it would be great if we, you know, collaborated more and worked together more as a, as an industry and as a community and, and, and Todd, you know, we're both starting up this RSS coalition project and trying to bring the, uh, the technical community together and, uh, which is taking on a little bit of a different direction 
than what Hernan is um, is advocating for with this podcast academy, which is more um, content focused and things like that. Which you know there is two sides of the same industry. There, there's the more technical side. There's the marketing side. There's the distribution side. Um, um, and and you know that organization can't do everything. So I think that right. having the podcast academy kind of takes care of that other piece somewhat from a broad perspective. And then maybe some, some other type of organization can be birthed that can kind of take care of the, of the business side and the technical side and take on those challenges, Todd, like you said, um, and, and really try and pull something together that can further the industry um, and all the other parts. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. And, and, and Hernan, what do you think about that? I mean, having a separate organization that kind of tackles those ends of the of the needs. I think. I mean, I think that makes sense. Uh, look, I mean, you and I had the conversation about whether the academy should uh, include the technical side. I, I'm not close to it. I'm just very mindful of not biting more than we can chew, right? Uh, especially uh, early on. And and th there's one thing that I want to admit. Uh, some people said that the announcements was rushed and it is true it was rushed it was really time uh because i had the keynote uh slot at podcast movement evolution and i knew that was the right venue to announce it because it was in front of the the broadest coalition of uh podcasting professionals dan franks had promised me that slot uh back in uh december and and, and, and it was only in December that I started to make phone calls around uh, to see who would be interested in, in, in you know, supporting the organization, being a, one of the founding members. So we didn't have a lot of time to talk to everybody. And, but by now that the news is out, we're talking to the right people. Mm -hmm. And I think with the, the effort Rob and I were trying to kind of get going on this RSS coalition thing, I keep telling... Yeah the assembled folks that are working with, I says, you know, if we don't have the Marco Armets and the pocket cast and all these teams that have these great apps. And, you know, Ooh. luckily we have some participation from some of the big companies. Like, you know, we've, we've had some Apple representation other stuff. They've come in, they're listening and willing to contribute to the conversation. But I says, if we can't get everyone, mm -hmm. this is not going to work because down to from the basic hosting provider to the podcaster who has his own, maybe he's cooking his own feed all the way up to, you know, the, the apps are out there. If we make changes or try to suggest improvements, not, let me be careful. We're not making changes to RSFs. We're trying to expand RSS a little bit. Um, we're going to have to pick our battles. There's going to be one or two things we're going to maybe be able to get done and mm -hmm. then have a big list of other stuff we hope to get done it's hard. This is hard, hard, hard to get people into agreement and from one end of the pipeline to the other. So mm -hmm. I, I fully understand the, the challenges in starting a group. But at the same time, you guys are just going to have, we're going to have to buckle down and do it as if, as you guys are too, and mm -hmm. putting your organization together. So people that are going to want to work with you, mm -hmm. they're going to have to work. Right. This is, this right. is not easy. This is, this is work. Yeah. That's right. 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 And it's going to take, uh, it's going to take money too, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and having support, you know, and that's exactly what you're doing, Hernan. And I think, can you tell us about the, the nonprofit that you pulled together for this? Uh, so it's, um, yeah, it's essentially a not-for-profit. It's a, a 501c6 organization similar to other professional membership organizations. And, and it's been set up 
um, he actually is based in New York and we're applying for all the permits that we need to apply. And the organization will ultimately be owned by the members, uh, not like the, the same way that the Television Academy and the uh, Oscars are. Um, there's, uh, we have the help of two great professionals called uh, Michelle Cobb and Joanna Laskas, who themselves have helped set up the Audio Publishers Association. They're still effectively being the, the executive directors. So they're working um, to help us set up and, and to run the organization day to day until such day when eventually if we get the kind of budgets that we hope they're going to get in the future, we may be able to afford uh, full-time staff dedicated to the organization the way that, that they can, the other economies have. But again, baby steps. Hernan, right. I think you just answered a question that's been lingering out there by some of the reporters mm -hmm. on that on that alignment. So that was kind of brought up the other day, and I, I told someone, I don't know, ask Hernan how that works. So I think he just answered that question. It just happened that um, I was introduced. I Actually, I knew Michelle uh, from work that she did for the LA Theater Works, another great not-for-profit organization, and, uh, and then she got reconnected with me by somebody at Stitcher, somebody that could help she specializes in setting awesome. up not-for-profit. And, but, yeah, her... Her essentially, her group is a, is a small group. Is um, it, it's what they do. It's essentially they set up uh, not for profit organizations and then they help them get them off the ground. Yeah, that that makes sense because the nonprofit thing for those of you that are listening that have never had to set up a nonprofit, it's easy it's not, to set up a for profit business. It is very difficult to set up a nonprofit business. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So going back then, talking about support. Um, mm -hmm. You know, this is in order to get full time staff, you're going to have to raise a significant amount of money. And, and, uh, you know, I look at the dues I pay to some of the organizations we belong to. And boy, that, that checks a hearty one to write every year. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you think then the structure is going to be? Because if you're trying to do this as a member organization, not a, are you going to, are you going to have corporate tiers or no? Probably not, right? The, uh, no, the, there will be room for uh, companies to sponsor the organization and to sponsor the awards and to sponsor meetups. So that, that's okay. like what other not-for-profit organizations okay. do. Um, and then when we uh, run the awards, there will be an entry fee that's also in line with what the other organizations do, you know, to help us process the volume of applications, but also making sure that people apply for the awards that uh, make the most sense. Because... We will require that uh, voters certify that they have listened to the shows that they're voting on. That's mm -hmm. again standard for all the other academies. Because what we don't want to see is a system that ends up being based on popularity and people just voting on stuff that they haven't listened to. Um, so yeah, the, the funding organization will come from donations plus member uh, dues plus award entries. So will all of the members get an opportunity to, to vote for the nominated um, um, shows for the awards? Or yeah. Also, yeah. every member will vote for the uh, awards on their peer group, plus all the members will vote on the general awards. I gotcha. Otherwise, on, on the other ones. So how do you see the, the nomination process working? Just curious, yeah. or have you got that clear yet? We don't have that clear yet. So we're going to, obviously, there'll be a filtering from everybody who applies. How, from everybody who applies, how do we get to mm -hmm. uh, ones that, um, that make the shortlist? Um, I think what happens in the other organization, although I might be wrong, is that 
the peer groups go through all the entries and then they vote on their entries and that essentially creates um, a master shortlist right. that informs where the, the ultimate shortlist uh, ends up. Yeah, I, I know that I have gotten away, and again, just you know, from running my awards, we used to have it so there was no entry fee. Right. And now we require a registration fee to participate, and right. um, they did get some pushback on that. I, our entry fee is relatively inexpensive. We try to keep it that way for indie podcasters so that they can afford to to enter and have their audiences participate. It's structured differently, obviously. But right. I think, too, you know, then there's going to be, again, this fine line that you guys mm -hmm. are going back to talking about, um, you know, Netflix spending $26 million or whatever it was they spent to get two Oscars out of 21 nominations. We got to make, well, I hope that you'll take into consideration that these indie podcasters who so much creating great content and making no money, right. um, what, what, what is that? look like from an entry fee is it you know do you have a different level um, we, I, think, I think that's going to happen actually yeah. we, the motions that are going to table on wednesday just to make sure that for the categories that are specifically dedicated to independent podcasters that they, there's a reduced fee i think and then how do you keep commercial shows out of the independent shows so there's you know you guys got to come up with all those definitions so i i you see one to uh to navigate because if you just count uh who Publishers the show and how many people how many people they have on the credits. I, I think it's, it's easy to determine when a show is is not you know truly truly independent. Yeah, and does does the peer groups um, structure help with that too? It does. It does as well. Um, yeah, yeah, it does. Okay, because I think a lot of shows now. If you you know this gets even more complicated. There's a lot of shows that have people that are volunteers that do prep and do social promotion and all that stuff. So the lines get really blurred yeah. at some yeah, yeah. point, you know, because of the nature of the space and people's, you know, some people have budget, some people don't. Right. Um, yes. So, I mean, one of the things I will probably end up doing is, and I know that I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm getting myself into trouble. <laughs> don't do it. If you don't, don't get yourself in trouble. Look, I mean, every all the governors are going to have um, an opportunity to comment on the um, on all the rules, uh, but I think we're going to set them up for a broader group of people to take a look at. Um, I'm definitely going to be uh, talking to the people at the Television Academy to see how they navigate uh, those issues, although they don't have similar problems because you know to make a television show. You need a network. There's just no question, right? You need 15 million bucks. So have you even thought about um, the, the aspect of the, the actual awards ceremony itself? Have you guys even gotten that far to even think about what that looks like? A little bit. I, I think, um, I mean, I, I want to do it uh, early on uh, for simplicity and, 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 you know, and efficiency. I think it's had to be timed around one of the other industry events. So okay. we have enough people in the same city at the same time that represent, you know, okay. the industry. Um, because again, I, I I think most people sometimes don't realize it's one thing to go to the Oscars or the Emmys, uh, being around for ninety years, right. but you're not one of those organizations. Just giving people the talent to show up if they don't know that they're going to win, <laughs> right? It's tough. Well, uh, and. Uh, 
Todd's not going to either. Yeah, yeah. Todd okay. knows that well. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> why we have a. You know, it's even worse, Hernan. It's yeah. worse because we've done a situation with the podcast awards where the 220 nominees all have to send an acceptance video. Okay. Right. Got it. Because we do it live. Now yeah. let's add another component to that. If you don't send a video and you won, we right. disqualify them. Right. <laughs> now I've never said this publicly, but we have had in the past uh-huh. a show that has won, but yet did not send a simple video saying, Hey, thank you audience for, voting for me and they were disqualified because they didn't send their video. Right. 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 Yeah. So, you know, in order to get, to get, so they won't even send, <laughs> you know, when it's in the rules say you have to submit an acceptance video and they don't, um, that's challenging. So I understand completely about trying to get people into a place. So when you call their name, it's right. not crickets. Right. 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 That's right. <laughs> right. And the number one event that you probably, um, could do that with would be podcast movement, I would imagine, but uh, yeah, that's it's, it's probably definitely. not determined yet. But yeah, it's not determined. I'm, I, I, Dan Franks is a great um, colleague, and 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 consider him a friend, and uh, they're, they're definitely a, a one of the top candidates for sure. Sure. Yeah. So, I think have we covered everything? Have we went through? The I think. So. Is there anything, Hernan, that that you want to talk about at all about the podcasting space or? What's what you think is going on in the content area right now around podcasting and kind of kind of the direction? I mean, I, I mean, I have a question about it. I mean, uh, around f- fictional content, do you mm-hmm. think that we're just seeing the the very early stages of the growth of that? Uh, I hope so. Um, I, I don't know if a lot of people um, notice that when we started Wondery, uh, that's how we started. We wanted to do fiction shows because being here in Hollywood understanding a little bit of the drama space we thought that that was a niche that we could mm-hmm. um that, that we could have a meaningful um um you know representation in and then we noticed that at the time 2016 the ceiling of popularity for fictional um audio shows or audio dramas was way lower than it was for true stories ah. um so we kind of parked our interest in audio drama until a couple of months ago, we launched this show called Blood Ties, uh, the first audio drama that we've done in three years with uh, Gillian Jacobs and Josh Gad. Uh, it's a story reminiscent of Succession uh, meets the um, uh, Catch and Kill podcast. It, it has, it, it's, I, we're really proud of it. Um, it was number one for 12 days, and, and it has uh, episode one. Uh, it's going to cross a million downloads uh, pretty soon. Uh, so that's going to be the first entry, re-entry for us into podcasts and in, in audio drama. And I know that other companies are thinking the same way. So why do you think that the fictional side kind of stalled out there? I mean, I know that, I mean, if you look fundamentally at the roots of the podcasting medium, it's it's been mostly reality-based s- right. stories that have really driven this medium forward for the last 15 years. Um, uh, it, it makes sense, but... There was um, a huge gap. Yeah. There was like, for like, we had some great shows in the early days, but then they just poof, they disappeared. And then yeah. it took a long time before we had, I, I'm going to call it fan fiction or if, you know, whatever the genre is actually called. It was a long time before we had stories back in that space. I, I think it's economics, right? I think we all realized the same thing that they were hard and expensive to make. And right. the demand from advertisers wasn't as strong because you don't have the host red ads. Right. So the combination of 
you can you know end up spending twice as much as you would on a true show and earn half the revenue really made it um yeah to just just draw the reality yeah so is that market changing um with hollywood getting more involved or yes well for us what changed uh was that our promotional platform got a lot bigger and we have listeners who love um some kinds of stories that we we took a gamble that they would love similar kinds of stories mm -hmm. um, but if they were fictional so for instance if you listen to dirty john and uh, blood ties there are themes in common there are even themes common with dr death so we promoted to those listeners and, and i think they responded so did you guys see um when when a, a podcast turns into a tv show and mm -hmm. goes to like amazon prime or whatever um, but yet the, the audio uh, podcast is still public. Did you guys see a bump in the audio podcast when the TV show was released? Or what, what was the dynamic there? Even even when it's not directly related to a podcast. So when uh, Dirty John came out, um, the television show, there was a four-time increase on listening from one month to the next to the podcast. And uh, so okay. the first came in. Uh, but we just saw the same thing with the Aaron Hernandez documentary on Netflix. Which wasn't related to our show. It it picked up some of the same phone calls that we uh, revealed for the first time, and I mean, we saw a huge increase in listening to our show. So that's going to be part of something that we want to replicate. Doctor Death is launching in the fall uh, on Peacock. It's about our podcast. Uh, we have all in all twelve shows in development or other two series, and we just announced yesterday the um, uh, setup of We Crashed about the We Work. Uh, right, the rise and fall of WeWork is set up at Apple TV. Right. Yes. And, Go ahead, Rob. Oh, I was just going to follow up with the with the thought process here on this, but um, do you see uh, windowing of podcast content happening um, around the release of uh, a TV show derivative, like maybe putting that into a paid content model? Um, I don't know if necessarily it's going to be around a paid content model, but but definitely we're going to be tactical whenever we know that a television show mm -hmm. is coming up we're going mm -hmm. to be pushing the podcast through marketing that inspired mm -hmm. the television show okay hernan do you uh and we try to i usually ask this question around the beginning of the year we're already here uh into uh, what is it march or whatever we're at we're almost uh, march um what are your worries about the podcasting space do you have any worries right now um not about the podcasting space obviously the um, potential that the coronavirus um you know uh reality has to append um the the industry and not not the industry necessarily but just the economy right and advertising which is the bread and butter of our industries is one short-term concern but i think that podcasting is just getting started i know you guys have been at it for a long time but mm -hmm. i still think there's so many things that still haven't been done. Uh, there, there are formats that are being explored. There are um, voices that, that haven't yet found um, uh, you know, adequate representation. I, I think we have a long, 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 long uh, future ahead of us. I think yeah, you can I take some solace that in 2008, when the economy crashed, advertisers doubled and tripled down on advertising and podcasts. We never saw a decrease in advertising dollars. I don't, know, I don't know how to explain it. Everyone else took a hit. We didn't. Well, you know what? Because it works. When 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 right. there's a recession and there's cuts to advertising, the advertisers typically stick with what drives results. 
Right. And, and they, they move towards quality too. So, you know, you know, people move toward quality as well, uh, as far as products and content, I would imagine. So I think your business is probably fairly immune from significant hit, I would think. No, no, come on, no, come on. I always say, we are, we're making investment. We're, we're now 62 employees and we, we're, we're yeah. trying to be, we'll always be methodical. Last year we made a profit mm-hmm. all year. And that's, um, that, that's not always the case for startups in, 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 in the media space, but we're, we're very thoughtful about the kind of bets that we make. Not every show obviously makes money. Some shows are expensive to make and, um, and you know, the revenue potential is not immediately realized, but I'm really proud of the content lineup that they have, uh, the team that we have, and, and just how listeners are responding to different kinds of shows that we make. Awesome. Yeah, I also also noticed that uh, you guys are investing in um, I, I don't know um, kind of kind of derivative groups in other countries. I think you guys did a deal with a company in Australia too. Uh, I can't remember the actual name of, but but it had Wondery in the name. But it's yeah. almost like you know a different group that is affiliated with you guys is making content as well. Can you explain that that model a little bit? And do you see yeah. that growing? Uh, actually, the, the Australian deal is strictly an ad representation deal. Ranier is the name of oh, the okay. house. They, they, they do our advertising sales in the country. Uh, what we did last year, two things, was um, to create a joint venture with Stitcher to uh, sell ads in the UK. That's uh, called Patron, um, and um, and we hire uh, three people formerly from Audioboom and, and, and uh, ad agencies to essentially bring both teachers and our imagery to the market. And then uh, we followed up by launching local language versions of Dr. Death and Business Wars. Right. Uh, so through that, we expanded into France, Germany, uh, throughout Latin America and Spain. Yeah, and those are hosted on separate platforms from where you're hosting the English stuff too, right? Is that, is that they're, true? They're, they're all on our R19. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, I think Ra, if you know, Hernanda, unless you have anything else, I, I think I've got all my questions answered. Was there anything left in the audience that that we didn't ask that you wanted to know? Well, and is there anything, Hernan, that you wanted to share that we haven't covered? Yeah. I just really wanted to thank you guys for giving me the chance to come on your show. Um, it was a lot of fun and I, I really appreciate you. You guys have been very open with your suggestions for the academy. And and it's your suggestions are only going to be, make the academy better. And for that, I thank you both. Well, thank you for for stepping up and trying to do something like this. I I think it is a good thing here in the long run. And uh, Hernan, just have fun with this because you know I guess <laughs> you know you already know you're, there's no way you're going to make everyone happy. But I think in the end, I think we're we all just want the space to grow. And uh, and. There's plenty of room for lots of awards, and uh, anytime yeah. podcasters get promoted, they talk about it and it gets in press, and I, it's it, this is it's all good. There's no complaints here. Wonderful. All right. Thank you both. Uh, happy morning. Hey, thank Bye. you so much for being on. Bye. Thank you. Take care. All right. Take care. All right. All right, Todd. Uh, I think that was good. I'm glad he came on. Yeah, I, I'm good too. I think, uh, I think a lot of people got a, a lot of great questions answered. I think he was very open and and transparent with what they were trying to do and some of the struggles that they're having. And and I think that they're all struggles that are expected. I mean, I, I, I wasn't surprised by anything. I think 
Um, yeah, you know, I think that the adjustments that need to be made are, I don't think that they're huge adjustments. I, I just think that, you know, and he's thinking about them. So I think it's all good. I think they are probably still, we'll, we'll see. I, I give them the benefit of the doubt. I, I think they're, they're, right. we, we've, they've been challenged a little bit to try to figure out how to fit in the Indies and I, I'm, we'll see how they define that. And, yeah. um, yeah. I just, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt this time. And as, as I've said from the beginning here, uh, I'm just kind of sitting back and watch and see how they do it. And, uh, but you know, anything that raises a space, I'm sincerely authentic here and saying that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is too. And, um, I did notice Todd that we crossed over the 900,000 podcast, uh, Mark, um, yeah, my my internal, my internal directory is about ready to kick to a million, but uh, really, yeah, yeah, I think I've got some duplicates in there though, so I don't want to go and make an announcement uh, when we do. But yeah, my internal directory is very close to popping over a million. But and uh, I thought app- it was like forty. What was it like? Forty three percent of the podcasts um, are are active. Something yeah, like I have that? to go back and look at his numbers, but there was, it was like, no, not that many. It was 200 something thousand that looked like was active. So Daniel have to, I have to go back and look at Daniel's charts. Yeah, I thought it was over 40%. So, so is what I saw on his sites. Yeah. So what's the name of his website again? I'm, I need uh, to pull it up here. Yeah, it's, I have to go it's, look and I'm it's not at, in the right uh, way. It's at mypodcastreviews.com. There you go. Hey, GD, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, I agree. Thanks to Hernan for coming on. Yeah, no, I think it was great. You know, and he he was very uh, open to to coming on the show, and it yeah. was great to have him here. Yeah. yeah. And it was interesting. He came on this show, but it was unwilling to talk to some other folks, which I thought was curious. But I know they're trying to, you know, and it's Hernan's a good dude, so. I mean, it's probably good to, you know, I think what, what we were able to talk to him about today, I think we'll clear up a lot of the concerns. Yeah, I hope I, so. I think as well as, you know, maybe um, point out areas that they need to work on to, to shore up all those concerns too. So I think it had a dual, dual benefit. Yeah. So did you go over to Daniel's site and pull that yeah. screen up? Yeah, I did. Uh, and it's looks like... Uh, 902,189 is the current number. Yeah. And it's, uh, and he has down here active versus inactive podcasts. He's got uh, active at 42.77%. And how's he defining active? Uh, it says uh, at least one episode in the last 90 days. So 42%. So almost 400,000 shows have created. One episode in the last 90 days. That's remarkable. At four, almost 43%. Right. So the number, though, goes down when you get to, because if I remember that chart, there was a, a big peak, but because there's a chart that breaks it out by episode two on activeness, I think. Yeah, it was, okay, it shows um, 47.86%. Um, have 10 or more episodes or yeah, but so almost 48%. Well, that doesn't say they're active though, right? That's just in the, in, in the, yeah, that's in the feed. That, yeah, that's in the feed. And then it looks like 16, a little over 16% have one episode. Okay. So 16% of the 902,000 shows only have did one episode, one episode, right. 
Correct. So I don't have a calculator in front of me, but that's a pretty big number still. <clears throat> it is. I know where 110,000 of them reside at, too. Right, right. <laughs> Where's that, Todd? <laughs> well, we'll leave them alone today. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think it's interesting, you know, um, news on that. Um, you know, we've crossed over that line. So I, at this pace, it it looks like we added about 47,000 podcasts in the last 30 days. That's, so that's That's an incredible number. Right. And that's, that's subtracting the removed as well. So that's, that, that's, that's, that's new. That is, that is an incredible, absolutely incredible number. Which means that we're going to be over a million within 60 days. So the question, so the question is where, where's that distribution? U.S., uh, foreign, what, what's, we need to break Daniel. Hey, go get the breakdown on that. Tell me where those. I don't know if he can get that data where it's. Um, maybe. I mean, I, I mean, he, I mean, we know on our platforms where the content is being listened to off it, of lips. We're not listened to. I want to know where the creators are. Oh, 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 where the creators are. Okay. Yeah, I want to. Who's you know? Wh where's the breakdown? Where's the biggest growth? The United States, Europe. Where, where's, you know, that's what I want to know. Oh, that's a good, that's a that's big good, number. 47,000 in one month. Yeah. That is a big number. It's massive. So, so the medium is growing fast and, oh, and also I should probably mention how many uh, shows were removed. Let's see here, because I think he has that. It says, um, 8,747 uh, were removed in the last 30 days. So almost almost 9,000 shows were pulled out of the Apple Podcasts catalog. But, but you remember, they've been trying, they didn't start their cleanup until about a year ago. So they've they're been working their way through, working it, way, way through it. Right, right. So, and it says 21,000 have been pulled out in the last 90 days. Yeah. Or about 166 uh, shows a day. That's amazing. Yeah. Those are some big numbers. Yeah. And, you know, and just for the record, I haven't done any cleanup. So I haven't pulled shows from my directory. So I got a lot of dead ones in there, too. Yeah. Well, most platforms do. You know, it, it, I guess it depends on what you consider a dead show. Is it one well, that. Well, the feed is down and the media is down. Yeah. It depends on their, you know. And that could be the vast majority of what's getting pulled down by Apple, too. Uh, we just don't know the breakdown of what the yeah. status was, yeah. those feeds, and why they were pulled down. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've had a whopper of a show here, Rob. Yeah, I think it'll be a bit of a popular show, I think, in the medium. Yeah, I think so, too. I do apologize to everyone that's uh, listening. We have not got the RSS Coalition meeting show out. Uh, I have to do some editing. We've been asked by a couple of parties to... Um, remove their statements. I don't, they don't want them in the public domain for some, some legal reasons. So I mean, maybe not legal reasons, but yeah, it is legal reasons. Company reasons. Company reasons. <laughs> so um, if you're part of the coalition Slack channel, the unredacted, and we unredacted audio is there. Um, yeah. So, Anyway, um, nothing, nothing, there's nothing like dramatic or super secret or anything like that. It's nothing that's no, no. So, um, 
I mean, if you li- listen to the, even the edited audio, you're going to get the real strong yeah. impression and feel for what the, what the sentiment is about the RSS coalition and what we're trying to pull together. I think you'll get a really good snapshot of why and who's involved and things like that. But I'll be frank. The reason why it's not out is I have been deep in spreadsheets getting, uh, not Blueberry's taxes done, but my personal taxes done, moving and starting a bunch, you know, it's all a mess. Well, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, so I sent stuff to the accountant yesterday, so I, I have a little more breathing space now. And I, I talked to Marco Arment, who's uh, who's the creator of Overcast at uh, the, the PRX um, podcasting threats event here in, in uh, New York here just this last week. And, um, and he said he was going to join us on the new media show. Oh, so let's try Rob to get him on the 14th of March. Yep. So I think he was very outspoken at that PRX event, uh, about, you know, being very careful about making, um, changes to the medium, uh, around RSS and, and being very, very, um, careful that we don't, break the good thing that we have here. So I heard that there was, cause I had a rep there as well. Yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> what, you know, was, are the, are the suits here? Are we, are we going to have to wrestle with some of the corporate folks? Oh yeah. I think, I mean, large money and investment is, is here in the medium. We just have to adapt to it and keep, touting just like what we were doing with um the the whole podcast academy is keeping independent podcasters front and center as the is the focus of the of the medium and just making sure that everybody keeps that in mind i ran i ran a a a non-scientific poll tom if you're listening it was completely non-scientific i ran a poll on my audience where and i got 55 responses so you know not a big sample uh, and the age range run from about 35 to 76. And so I've, you know, I've got a pretty wide range of listens to my show. And um, the first question I asked was, were you okay with me sharing your IP data with an advertiser? And uh, that was just the crux of the question. Uh, 33 said uh, no, 22 said yes, it's okay. And it didn't swing. The yes weren't largely on the younger groups. It was all across the board. So I couldn't get a handle on an age bracket. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, they didn't do a survey monkey or nothing like this. This was just an email they sent me. The second question I said was, would you be cool with me selling your IP data from you listening to my audience with Facebook, Google, and Amazon, would you would you would you be okay with me doing that? Uh, Fifty said no. Five said yes. And then the last question I asked was: Is would you be cool with the advertiser? And I made up some fake advertiser name. Would you be cool with the advertiser taking that IP data and sharing that with? Uh, their interbusiness departments and partners of them to track you when you come to their sites from, you know, not even necessarily a referral, but let's say uh, it was 
a pen company and they sent them over to an eraser company, would you be okay with you being tracked on the eraser company's uh, webpage? 55 said no. Interesting. So we've got kind of kind of a spectrum of acceptance there to some degree. Well, right? not a lot of acceptance. No, I know, but I mean, it, it's clear where that acceptance yeah. line is from, from the numbers that yeah. you're saying. And then the final question was, if you could opt in, if there was a mechanism for you to opt in, would you opt in to being tracked? And that was more of a loose question. I didn't get as many total responses on that, but mm -hmm. it was really kind of like split down the middle. People said uh, um, that they would, because uh, again, I said, if you could opt into all this or opt out, mm -hmm. and it was kind of split. Uh, and some of the comments were, well, I'm already given this, you know, I've already agreed to have this shared with Amazon and Google and Facebook. If I, if I like you, Todd, and that was kind of the thing. If I like your show... I will. I would probably opt in to allow that to happen, so you could be monetized. That was kind of the response. Mm -hmm. you yeah, know? That's and they said, yeah. if, you know, but they don't want that to be just across the board. They want to give that on a show by show by show basis. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. that the the whole whole discussion really at this PRX um, podcasting threats event was really focused around the tension between monetization and privacy, right? So how, you know, in your, your little research there really is indicative of the, of the, the question and, and how, I mean, even if we could, uh, how would we deploy an opt-in process across this whole industry? Right. And that was one of the key questions that we, we had breakout groups that got together to talk about that issue um, and, and come up, trying to come up with ideas on how that might happen. Um, could that process be, um, commonly shared across the, across some sort of a deployment in the RSS feeds of being able to, to have that opt-in process be, um, gathered on a, this, on a distributed basis, but aggregated into a centralized repository of opt-in, uh, that can be shared across multiple platforms. Uh, I think that's probably one option. Yeah. Um, my, my fear is that if we don't do something like that, that what we're going to start to see is content get sucked into proprietary platforms more and more over time uh, because those proprietary platforms can do um, opt-in just for their platform. Right. right? And so um, the, the advertisers will tend to come in and spend more money in those proprietary platforms and sponsoring podcasts. Um, and, and offer higher CPMs to shows that are in those proprietary platforms and thus is fundamentally where the threat lies to the openness of the podcasting medium. Right. So, Mark, I don't have that publishing where I just talked about it in my show. Right. Um, so if you want to hear the how I frame the question, it was done right. on episode 1420. Mm -hmm. All right. So last night was 27. It was on 1425 at about the 30-minute mark, and then last mm -hmm. night I talked about the results at about the 8 to 10-minute mark on episode 1427. So um, I'm happy to try to pull that together at some point. And, yeah. But again, it was purely unscientific. I just had them email me only. And the reason Can you I share that, those uh that data in some sort of an online website or yeah, presentation. I, I could put it. Sort? I could. I could put it on my. It's. It, it's in my show, but I have to go pull it out and. Okay. Uh, I could blog about it. So, 
I think that, and again, it's purely, un, it's, you know, it is, Tom Webster is like rolling his eyeballs. It's not a poll. It was just a survey, you know, a rough right. survey. Right. Yeah, and it, I mean, it might be the basis for a, for a session for you at uh, Podcast Movement. Uh, I already <laughs> submitted, a, as a matter of fact, submissions for Podcast Movement are due today. Really? This is the last day? Today is the last day. So if you haven't submitted your session yet, Rob, uh, you better get busy. You've got until midnight. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I, I guess I shouldn't have told you crap. No. That would have okay. been that would have been one less Libsyn uh, uh, <laughs> session at the show. Actually, well, we don't we don't do Libsyn sessions. We do training sessions. No. And 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 Todd, to be really fair about it, I, I'm sure we'll be doing this show live at that event too. So yeah. Uh, and there's no session submission for that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I, that's something I've talked to my team about too, is like, you know, I, 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 I review all the sessions that are going in and I talk to all our team members. I'm like, we have to make sure we're inclusive and broad. We can't be focused on the agenda of Blueberry. We have to make sure that we're, we go in, we're teaching people because if we don't, you're not your session's not going to get approved. Dan's going to read right through that and say, "Oh, that's that sounds pitchy," and that's the last thing that uh, we want to do in an event like that. We want to train and not pitch because we all get pissed off when we get pitched. Right. Totally. Yeah, that's true. Oh, March first was the last day. Well, that is that's in a couple of days. A couple of days. So you got a couple of days. I'm incorrect. So that would be Sunday. All right. 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 Okay, Rob, we are at an hour 22. I think it's time to go. Anything? Oh, we're going to, you're going to be at PodFest, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to be doing a live yeah. new media show on the 7th. That's from right. There. We're having, uh, tell us who our guests are going to be and give a time and everything so that people know when to tune in. Uh, actually, we've got, um, uh, let's see, we've got Glenn the Geek is going to be on the show with us down there. And, it's interesting uh, he calls himself Glenn the Geek when he's a horse guy. Well, 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 he's a horse guy too, right? He's the executive director and uh, of the Horse Radio Network, right? So, yeah. so we're gonna talk about a business model that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So he's gonna he's he's gonna join us as well. Yeah. So, so it'll be a it'll be an interesting show. No question about it. And then who else is gonna be on with us? Uh, what's the other? Oh, just drawing a blank on that uh, name uh, right there, top me, of my head. Me too. So I put I dumped ah, it on shoot. you. I know you did. Shoot. I, it just left me just now. It's a lady, right? Yeah, well, uh, yes, it is, actually. <laughs> Who, my goodness. We are horrible. We, let, we, we are horrible. Let Todd. me look here. And, you know, I, 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 I apologize. Let's see here. I've got, I'm looking at my email. I, I am too. I'm trying to pull. Like, <laughs> and she's mad right now because she's listening to the show. Say, Hi, Rob, you forgot. Rob and Todd, you guys forgot that about was, us. That was bad. <laughs> oh, where is Glenn's email? I'm just. Well, we're we are we are horrible host. We are horrible. <laughs> we are. All right, so we'll get that information in the show notes. Um, well, it's. It's going to be on the uh, on the website at Podfest. So it's Saturday, right? We're doing it on Saturday. Saturday at uh, noon to one p.m. Okay. On the main stage during uh, lunch. So, yeah. Why am I? I can't even find the email from you. 
I know it's weird. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm looking too, and I'm just not finding it bad, bad, bad. Okay. Well, anyway, everyone, thanks for being here. Thanks for being, you guys laughing at us. Everyone, thanks for being on the new media show. And, uh, we'll see you Saturday, a week from Saturday at PodFest live at 12 noon. We're going to try to go live and bringing the gear and hopefully the connection won't be as crappy as, because I was on my MiFi for the last event at uh, Podcast Boom Evolutions. So we'll keep our fingers crossed that we can uh, uh, stay connected here. Yeah. Yep. It should be okay. All right, everyone. And uh, Todd at Blueberry.com or at Geek News. And Rob? I'm on Twitter at Rob Greenlee, and that's with two E's. And I have robgreenlee.com myself. And uh, if you want to reach out to me, you can certainly send me an email to robg at lipson.com. All right, folks. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.